0: Welcome to Christian Financial Perspectives, where you're invited to gain insight, wisdom, and knowledge about how Christians integrate their faith, life, and finances with a biblical worldview. Here's your host, Christian Investment Advisor, Financial Planner, and Coach, Bob Barber.
1: Welcome to another episode of Christian Financial Perspectives. Thank you so much for joining us, whether that's listening to our podcast on one of the many directories or you happen to be watching us right now on YouTube or where, whatever works for you. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and right. We're we're glad you're here. So, Bob, what do you have for us today?
2: Oh, Sean, this is going to be a subject that people are not used to hearing. Okay. Okay. So we're we're going to be talking about how a Christian should handle their money from a biblical world view, and that that was a real big topic a long time ago, Sean. Yeah. I'm going to say like like back in the nineties, you know. I remember when The the Truth Project came out, my focus on the family, and it really was about what worldview are you living by? Are you living by a Christian worldview, or are you living by a secular worldview, okay? So there's these differing worldviews going back and forth, especially
1: when it comes to our finances. So, for those of you listening, watching, who aren't familiar with what is a worldview, So I guess an easy way to describe that would be, it's what is your perspective on the world, how you're approaching it to make decisions in your life. And so when we talk about a biblical worldview, obviously that would mean we are basing how we interact and view the world and make those decisions on biblical principles, which is important for a Christian.
2: That's right,
1: exactly. And whether you
2: are a new Christian, or a, a somebody has been a Christian for 50 years. It's very important that you think about what your worldview is of finances. Well,
1: let's start with a couple of scriptures. Okay. So, Psalms 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it.
2: You know, Sean, this is really the foundation for a Christian worldview when it comes to uh, handling your money. Mm. Because it has to do with ownership, and we're going to talk a lot about that in today's podcast. Yeah, And uh, the second one is Haggai 2.8, that the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. So these two scriptures are really saying that God owns it all. Agreed. Okay? And we're going to go into what all, all those things mean. But I think we first need to describe what is ownership.
1: Well, we have a definition here. Yeah, ownership. None of it is ours or belongs to us from a biblical
2: worldview. Right. Okay. We're managers, so God owns it, and we become the managers. So all of it. When I say it, I'm t- we're gonna like. Man, we're gonna describe what the it is in yeah. here in just a minute. All of it is God's, and is to be managed well by us and for His glory, um, or else. Uh, we would be acting like we're the owner of it again. Yeah. So in 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 the world, it's hard because we all want to say this is mine. It belongs to me. So this is
1: a different yeah. mindset Which, that we're going through. As someone who is a Christian, mm-hmm. that's not true. The Bible is very clear. I mean we're we're not including all of the scriptures by any means. Oh, on on stewardship, of but them. the Bible has arguably at least fifteen hundred scriptures on you know money and and stewardship you know in some form or fashion so we're not since we're not gonna go through all of those we we pared it down for our our listeners and viewers today but the next one goes into stewardship and that definition stewardship refers to the role or responsibility of managing something for someone else i always like to think of you know someone is asking you to house sit yeah if you're house sitting for someone and they came back and you had just destroyed the place oh. and made a bunch of renovations mm-hmm. without their approval would they be happy with your work or would they be a little upset
2: i think they'd be a little upset i think it would be a little upset so so i think it's important that we that we first um, we define what the responsibilities of an owner Okay. are and what the responsibilities of a manager are now this could go really really deep but sure. for time's sake we're not going to go that deep into it but i was i was thinking about this this morning as i was going to be talking about this what is an owner you know well an owner owns the owns the building like i own this building okay but then i entrust to the managers to take care of it okay right um a, an owner, I was thinking of a an owner this morning of like a a heating and air company, let's say and you see their vans out yeah, I, I, I see those out everywhere where there's the tools, right? So mm-hmm. the owner is providing the tools to those that are working in in the business and the equipment. Uh, so that the owner's providing what is needed right. for the for the manager and then there's the manager okay. and what does the manager do?
1: Well, let's uh, let's cover three responsibilities of an owner and three responsibilities of manager. So for an owner, provides the financial needs, mm-hmm. tools and equipment, facilities. Mm-hmm. And we get to manager. Manager uses the finances wisely and in the best interest of the owner. Use the tools wisely and takes good care of them. Mm-hmm. Uses the facilities and takes care of them. Exactly. Yeah. So, now, if
2: you do a good job for the owner and you take care of what the owner has given you, the owner may give you more responsibility, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. So there's a secular worldview of money and possessions, and the secular worldview is it's all mine. It's my my money, and I want it now. <laughs> exactly. It's my bank accounts. It's my savings accounts. Um, it's my brokerage accounts. It's my retirement accounts. It's my house. You notice there's a lot of selfishness here. It's my cars. It's my boat <laughs> or boats. It's my business. It's my vacation home. It's my airplane. I don't have an airplane, but.
1: But know, hypothetically. <laughs> I, I'm,
2: I'm just, I'm thinking this. So that's a secular worldview. It's really all mine.
1: It's all right? about me. It's all about mine. Where a biblical worldview is. A little different. It's, it's God's banking and savings accounts. Right. It's God's brokerage and retirement accounts. It's God's house. It's God's cars. It's God's boat. It's God's business. It's God's vacation home. It's God's airplane. So we should take care of those well, right? Yeah, we should. So all we have to ask
2: ourselves is which financial worldview are we living by? Are we, all these things, all this stuff that I mentioned, are you thinking of it as yours? Or are you thinking of it as God's? Because it said in the beginning when we were talking about the scriptures, right? right. Psalms twenty-four, one: "The earth is the Lord's and everything in it." Now, does that mean everything? And I believe it does. I don't think the the Bible is is veering away from truth. And truth is is that God owns it all. So those bank accounts, that house, those brokerage accounts, those investment accounts. That airplane you may own, that boat, that belongs to God. It's not yeah. ours. We're just managers of it, and we should take very good care of it because God has given it to us.
1: So I guess we have to ask ourselves today, which financial worldview are we living by? Yeah. What is so Bob, what does a biblical worldview of money and possessions? do to a person
2: well they become managers i think Mm -hmm. of myself as that i don't own anything god owns it but i am a manager of it okay and therefore i should take the utmost care of what god has given me to manage
1: and number three they uh, use wisdom Mm -hmm. with money and possessions all possessions
2: yeah I, I, and I'm not going to associate, because God owns it, and it's not mine. I'm not associating my self-worth mm. with my net worth. I'm, my association of my self-worth is with what God did for me. That's right. That he, his, he gave his son, his only begotten son, to die for us, to give us eternal life, and to take away our sins. So- you know,
1: that, that one reminds me, Bob, of when there was the wealthy man who came to jesus and he's like teacher you know what must i do to inherit eternal life and jesus looked at him and he said well you know follow the law. i know i'm paraphrasing a little yeah. bit, but you know follow the follow the laws and he, he listed them off and the rich man was like well i've done all these things all my life and jesus said okay but this one thing you lack sell all your possessions and come follow me yeah and the guy went away sad yeah you know when people think I I feel like that's gotten taken out of context sometimes. Where yeah. people look at it and say, "Oh, well, if I have a lot of wealth, or if someone has a lot of wealth, they can't be a Christian. They can't follow Jesus." That wasn't the point. Jesus knew that in his heart, in this man's heart, his identity was totally wrapped up in him being a wealthy, rich man. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus confronting him with that was not because there was something inherently wrong with the wealth that he had. Mm-hmm. The problem is that Jesus needed him to understand that he couldn't serve the money. He couldn't, he couldn't be wrapped up in that and follow God and and serve God. So that phrase of, of not letting your self-worth be associated with your net worth is so powerful because it doesn't matter how much money you have. Yeah. Just don't let that net worth be your self-worth. You know, another thing that this does to a person
2: when you say, I realize that God's now the owner of it. Okay, think of my fist, and I'm holding all my positions really tight. You know, if I really make my, my hand tight there, it starts my knuckles start getting white, right? <laughs> and it starts creating stress, mm-hmm. where when I open up my hand and I say, okay, God, this is yours, that provides an enormous amount of freedom, knowing that God's got it yeah. and, and it's his. And you know what? There's nothing that can be taken away from me. Because God owns it. So owns it. so these are not my possessions. These are God's possessions. I'm the manager of them. And it just gives an enormous amount of freedom.
1: That's uh-huh. true. That's true. Also, they don't worry about what the markets are doing and things beyond their control. Exactly. You know, things are going to happen, right?
2: Yeah. We're going to have time, different times. It says that in
1: Ecclesiastes. Yeah. There's a time for everything.
2: There's a time mm-hmm. to plant. There's a time to uproot. Um. There's a time to die and a time to be born again you know born and yeah I mean there's just all these different times this we can't do anything about the markets the markets are going to do what the markets are going to do right so knowing that God's got that that's why it's so interesting you know we're always I'll be talking to our clients and they'll say My bet you're getting bombarded right now because we're in a bear market And I'm like, no nobody's they're yeah. not they're not worried about it because they know that God's got it and this next thing is, is we're investing with Christian principles. That's right. So if you have a biblical worldview and you believe God owns it, you invest it with biblical principles, with Christian principles. And you buy and you sell with wisdom. That's right. That's right. God's wisdom, what God's Word says in the Bible about finance. Because there's over 1,500, 1,600 scriptures
1: mm-hmm.
2: that have to do with how we handle money and stewardship in the Bible
1: people with a biblical world view also understand that gratification doesn't only come from having more stuff like bigger cars, boats and houses.
0: Yeah,
2: they're not their identities not more in to that. 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 It's yeah. it, it's not always I got to go I got to go get that new home, I've got to mm-hmm. get that newer car, I've got to get that bigger boat. It's it's not about building bigger. Yeah. And and that's you know there's the world's way of how much is enough. And our world is just a little bit more. It's always just a little bit more, but not a a biblical worldview of finance.
1: They also figure out how much is enough Mm -hmm. since it's not always just about having a little bit more and I'll be happy. Right. The materialism doesn't bring joy. Right. What kind of car or where you live is not important. Yeah. Your relationship with Christ and others is what truly matters.
2: And they learn to be content. Content in all circumstances. Yeah. And, and I think of this scripture, and we're going to read this scripture now. We're going to, it's from Philippians. And it, you know, it talks about Paul and how he's learned to be content in all circumstances. So, Sean, if you'll read this from sure. Philippians four eleven through 13.
1: I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength.
2: You think Paul knew who owned it? I think so. Yeah, Yeah. he sure did. He gave gave up that ownership of being about me and gave it to God. Well, it's
1: pretty obvious, too, his his identity and his, his joy, his contentment, it had nothing to do with... The circumstance he was in had nothing to do with anything material.
2: That's right. That's correct. And I I think this is a good one to share. There's a couple more scriptures I want to share before we're done for today, and that is uh, the parable of the talents that's given to us in the 25th chapter of Matthew. And I'm just going to read a few scriptures because it's a very long parable. Right. But I'm going to read a few scriptures, and uh, if you'll follow along with me. Again, it will be like, and this is from 25, 15 through 17. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and, is, and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag. Each according to his ability. Now, I've highlighted that part in that scripture. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hit his master's money." Now, you know, we were doing Bible study on this just last week here yeah. at Christian Financial Advisors. It's interesting, Lincoln, at this, isn't it? Yeah. Some things that you pointed out to me.
1: Yeah. So not only does it say in verse 15, each according to his own ability. But the thing that is interesting, if you think about this, we don't know if this was the first time the master had given his servants a chance like this, you know, that he had gone away in journey. But the other thing that's interesting is whether or not this was his first trip, in this case, the man knew his servants well. How else could, could this man, How else could this master know how to give to each according to his ability if he didn't already know their capabilities? That's right. That's correct. So I I just thought that was really powerful. And and another thing is we dug
2: into the scriptures. We noticed that um, it never talked about how long the master went away.
1: Yeah. Was it a year? Was it 10 years? Yeah. I mean, we don't know.
2: By the, according to the rule 72s, if it was 10 years, um, that would have been an average return of 7%. <laughs> so it would have doubled then. Yeah. Okay. So because the one that, <laughs> that got the three and the five yeah. d- doubled. So maybe right? it was 10 years. <laughs> and I want to end up on this scripture today. So I think it's important that, as we look at this one that we just looked at on the parable of the talents. And then as we look at this next scripture, when God is giving us, when the owner is giving us things to manage, how well we do, and he's going to give that according to, to our talents, according to how well and what kind of ability we have to manage that and how well we're gonna do with it. And Luke sixteen, ten through thirteen is another scripture I
1: believe that goes very well with Matthew twenty five, fifteen through seventeen. Let me read that. Yeah, go ahead. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both god and money which goes right back like the rich man with jesus Mm -hmm. you know it there's again there's nothing wrong with the money right but you can't simultaneously serve god and money
2: so i hope we've given you a very different perspective of what you've thought about because i'm telling you you're not going to hear this are you you don't you don't hear this on the streets i don't you don't even hear this a lot in churches for some reason, churches don't preach on this one much, okay, that that truly God owns it all. And I want to emphasize this today because I want to give you freedom in that. There is freedom in knowing that God owns it all and giving that up. And we're managers, and we don't have to be stressed out about it all.
1: Yeah. That's,
2: That's all right. for today. I hope we've helped you. Uh, if we can help you any more. Our phone number is 830-609-6986. During business hours, you can call that number or text it, or you can reach us on the web at christianfinancialadvisors.com, just like it's written here, or you can do christianfa.com.
1: Thank you so much for joining us, and God bless.
0: We invite you to listen to all of our past episodes covering many financial topics from a Christian perspective. To make sure you don't miss any of Bob's upcoming episodes, you can subscribe to Christian Financial Perspectives on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Amazon Music. To learn more about integrating your faith with your finances, visit ChristianFinancialAdvisors.com or call 830-609-6986. Investment advisory services offered through Christian Investment Advisors, Inc., DBA, Christian Financial Advisors, also known as Christian Financial Advisors Management Group, a registered investment advisor. Comments from today's show are for informational purposes only and not to be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any company that may have been mentioned or discussed. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host, Bob Barber, and his guests. Bob does not provide tax advice and encourages you to seek guidance from a tax professional. While Christian Investment Advisors believes the information to be accurate and reliable, we do not claim or have responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or reliability.